back in January last year, a very prophetic guy who was a friend of um, Pete and Eileen McCaffrey, a guy, is a guy called um, Henning Shakura. He came and did a prophetic workshop at Upper Room Academy. And at the end of the service, back in January last year, he shared a prophetic word that we were reminded about in a leaders meeting um, about two weeks ago. And he said this, he saw Trinity Church as a battleship. As a battleship, not a cruise ship where we all lounge around and have a nice time and people wait on, but as a battleship. And he said that he saw, he saw this battleship and he said it was built to withstand choppy waters, some stormy waters. And he said there was something about the structure of this that will change and we need to adapt because it will need to be able to cope with uh, stormy waters. And, he, and the prophetic word was he said, I just feel God has got something excellent in store. And at the time, I thought, oh, thanks, Henning. I'm not sure I really wanted that prophetic word because he was really saying, oh, I think there's stormy waters ahead. And I'm thinking, oh, OK, thank you, but no thanks. I'd rather it just all really peaceful and calm. But the reality is, I think the last six months for, in the life of the church have actually been quite difficult. They've been quite difficult for me, if I'm really honest with you. They have been quite difficult for a number of reasons. One, Andy Cooley uh, when an, we sent him up to Manchester to help get involved in a church plant. We love Andy and Zoe and the kids so much, but actually taking them out of like, full-time work in the church actually had a cost. It was quite difficult. I think it was um, it was issue. There's been some pastoral issues that has been um, that we've had to deal with. The the Barnet Council are um, well, I'm not really sure how to describe them, but they're just being difficult. Actually, you know, there are some things about when we're dealing with the centre over there. Actually, there are things that they're, tr they're desperately to get us out of there. Desperate. And they're writing letters, legal letters, that actually, anyway, you know. They don't bless us. And <laughs> recollections may vary, I think, is the word <laughs> that we could use. And in, on top of all of that, I think there are an increasing number of other churches that are looking in for us to help them. And we've also helped Hatfield Church. So Hatfield, there's a church up in Hatfield that's a congregation of us. So sometimes I'm not here on a Sunday. It's not that I'm at home just having a jolly time watching telly. I'm up at Hatfield Church because they're sort of like, we're inputting them as well. So they're all these things. And then we were talking about these things. And then somebody said, oh, do you remember that prophetic word that Henning had about us being a battleship? And actually there's some stormy waters, but we've got a good structure. And actually we will be able to cope and deal with these stormy waters. And so what we decided we're going to do is we're going to, this is, we'd planned it a while ago, a short break from our Samuel series, and we're going to have a short four-week battleship series. <laughs> battleship series. Just to lay out a little bit of a, a model of um, how we do church together. The, uh, the church as a ship isn't a biblical metaphor, by the way. It, I don't think there are verses in there that say the ship is a battleship. I don't think it is that. But it, I don't think it's a an unhelpful metaphor, because I think it is, we are able to say that actually, no, we are carrying something of the kingdom of God. And so we wanted us to reflect something that, a plan that actually we've been trying to put in place for a couple of years and we've been walking into it. And so over the next four weeks, we're just gonna, I, I did, I don't know what, I don't know, an English teacher will be able to tell me this, but what happens to a noun when you put the word ship on the end of it? Is anyone, does anyone know? It what? Well, what about membership or battleship? I don't know. I don't know what it is. But it's, it's an interesting idea. But I then thought there are, four, there are four ships 
that I really want to look at in terms of our, our mini battleship series. One leadership, two membership, three fellowship and four partnership. Okay, let's not go, everyone is now sort of like thinking, oh, what is this English conundrum that I've got? Okay, let's forget the English conundrum. We're just going to go for a battleship series for four weeks, okay? And we're going to look at leadership, we're going to look at membership, fellowship and partnership. And this morning, I just want to look at leadership. And I've got three points. We're going to look at servant leadership. We're going to look at elders and deacons, and we're going to look at a structure here for us at Trinity. So before we go anything further, shall we read the Bible? That's always quite a good start to start, place to start, isn't it? So if you've got your Bible, um, uh, there, uh, if you've got your Bible and you want to follow it in your own Bible, that's great. If not, we're going to read from Philippians chapter two, uh, verses one to eleven, and we're reading it from the NLT version of the Bible, but it's up on the screen as well. As we read through this. Could you, and I'm going to, I am going to ask you the question, okay, so this isn't going to be a rhetorical question, I'm going to genuinely say, what are the qualities of Christ-like leadership from these verses, okay? So just flag it, underline it, think, yeah, that's one, that's one, that's one, that's one, okay. So is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. But instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Okay. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the highest place of honour and gave him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every, every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So, anybody? What are some of the lists, what, what are some of the things that would demonstrably show that we are showing Christ-like leadership from those verses? Loving, working humble, working together, together like-minded, unselfish, unselfish compassionate, humble. humble. We've had that one. Sorry, Sorry I didn't mean to. No, but yeah, you're allowed to have it twice if you want to. Encourage, encouraging others, obedience to God, friendship. Consider other people better than yourself. What was that? What was that? Comfort. You comfort other people. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Anything else from that list? Sorry? Empathy. 
full of the Holy Spirit. If, if we, I'm sure there may be other things in there as well. But if we want to have servant leadership. And often I think that we, we try and define leadership as control. We try and define leadership as um, authority. We try and define leadership as being able to stand up here and, and talk like this. We try and define leadership as being able to tell people what to do, what to believe and how to behave. We try and define leadership in those sorts of things. We try and define leadership about being recognised, about being respected, about being rewarded. But the truth is that biblical leadership is this, that you become a servant and a slave to Christ and to other people. You become a servant of Jesus. Your heart is just simply to serve other people. It's this, like, we talk about this upside down nature of the kingdom. And sometimes you think, oh, no, leadership is about, oh, it's about being there, about looking great. It's not. Actually, leadership is just about serving other people. Once Jesus sat down, the, the disciples, okay, had been arguing, arguing, arguing about who was going to be the greatest of all of them. They go, no, I think I'm going to be slightly better than you. I think, no, I think, oh, well, you might be there, but I think I'm just about there. Do you know what I might just, and we do it all the time. We're comparing ourselves all the time. And this is what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be the first must take the last place and must be the servant of everybody else. It's a recurrent theme throughout the, throughout the Gospels and what Jesus was saying. Another time Jesus said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to, give his life, life, and to give his life as a ransom for many. How was it, when Paul wrote this extraordinary letter to the church in Rome, how did he describe himself? He started off and he said, I, Paul, a servant. I'm a servant. I, Paul, am a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle. Can I just tell you a few things that servant leadership doesn't mean? Servant leadership doesn't mean it being just being at everybody's beck and call. It doesn't mean sort of like groveling your way through life. It, does, it definitely doesn't mean trying to please everybody because sometimes as leaders we can be really tempted. If somebody's really having a like, rah, 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 you just think, okay, I'll do whatever I can just to make you happy. That is not about servant leadership. And sometimes, you know, like, just so you know, sometimes leaders have to make decisions that genuine, God-fearing, humble men and women disagree with. Did you know that? Sometimes you have to make those sorts of decisions, which is actually, it's not always particularly easy. And servant leadership isn't about being abused or about being abused or badly treated, but I'd suggest this, that servant leadership has got a number of hallmarks. The first one is this, that Jesus is the star. Go to a church where you think a leader is saying to you, Jesus is the star. I have sometimes been in churches when I've come away from listening to somebody and I think I'm more enamoured with them than I am with Jesus. And I think, oh, I... And then I have to hold, I have to hold myself in check and think, what's gone on? Actually, I'm looking more at them than I am at Jesus. There's something about a servant leadership that will make you think more about Jesus. And do you know what? I think there have, we all know there have been quite a few high-profile Christian leaders that have fallen. And I think one of the things that they've forgotten to do is they've forgotten to try and be like Jesus. 
They've forgotten to try and say, no, that he is the star. He is the one that we're going to follow above all else. Servant leaders, their goal is to lay down their own lives so that the church might know Jesus. They lay their own lives down. And they're thinking, no, I'm not going to pursue what I want to do. I'm going to pursue what God's called us to do together as a church. And they include people. Do you know, occasionally I do meet like, some like, church leaders and they just say, I'm not very good at small talk. I can't really do like, small talk. I want to talk about the big meaty issues of life. And my question to, to that is, well, what, the, what, what is that conveying to somebody who just comes in to church for the first time? that their normal everyday life isn't worth talking about. They'll only talk about the big issues of faith. And sometimes there's almost, I don't know, like a, I, I suspect I've done it myself sometimes. But there's an arrogance in me when I think that. I think, no, I, I can't, I'm not going to come down to that level. I'll just talk about these big issues here. But as servant leaders, no, we want people to be included. The other qualities of a, ser- a servant leader are this. I'm not preoccupied with being visible or a status. A servant leader, did you know, isn't responsible for setting a great vision for a church. Did you know that? A servant leader is all about setting a church's eyes towards Jesus and allowing us to follow him and nobody else. Servant leaders pray. Servant leaders read their Bible quite a lot. Servant leaders want to be in the presence of God and filled with the Holy Spirit and they serve. Did you know that servant leaders are usually either the first in the building or the last out? That's what normally happens with servant leaders. They're usually the, either the first in or the first out. Have I got, did I go through that list? Okay, good. Did you know also that servant leaders aren't perfect? Church leaders are not perfect people. And the vast majority of servant leaders that I know are imperfect servants trying to be faithful. It... In leadership, if you're called into leadership, you just need to recognise the standard for your leadership is not perfection. But the standard for your leadership is the desire to follow Jesus wherever he takes you. And you won't be perfect. Every single leader in the church will get it wrong and fall into sin and make mistakes. But the point is, are we a church that's full of grace? And are we preaching grace? And if there's a mark of grace, that's probably what authenticates their call of leadership on their life. There have been times over the years when, when I've had to go to the, um, to the elders, Jerry would know, and actually say, look, I just need to let you know about this situation and, like, and confess my sin. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, oh, I didn't really like doing that, to be honest. It wasn't good. <laughs> the leaders aren't perfect. But there's a heart that you think, I just want to follow Jesus and speak grace into our lives. I don't know how much you watch on, uh, on iPlayer. I watched the, the series. Has anyone seen the series about TB Joshua? Uh, it's like, it's sad. It's really sad. It, but it's a, a, about a church leader that he started to believe the news about himself, about how good he was. <laughs> and then it just, it spiraled out of control. And it didn't end very well at all. And it's quite, you know, sobering, actually. If you're in a church, it's sobering, actually. And yet it became quite manipulative. Well, not quite. Hugely manipulative. But we need to be aware of that. And we need to say, 
The call of God on us is to be servant leaders. If you feel called to leadership in the church, please come and let me know. I'd really love to hear it. In fact, I remember years ago, Andy Cooley, I remember where I was sitting. I was sitting at, at a desk in the centre and Andy Cooley knocked on the door and he said, um, this, I don't know, might have been about 10 years ago, knocked on the door, he said, Duncan, I just need to let you know I feel into, called into church leadership. And I thought, Andy, great, well done, that's really helpful. And actually then we put a plan into place for him to move into church leadership. It was good, it was really, really helpful. But if you feel called into church leadership, don't please come and tell me that you want a position or a title, but just model something that you're, you are moving into leadership by serving, by having a servant attitude, a self-sacrificing servant attitude, just like Jesus. The next thing I just want to talk about briefly is the, the patterns of leadership in the New Testament. Uh, if, you, um, if you read what the Apostle Paul did when he travelled all around uh, the Mediterranean basin and all this, what he'd do is he'd go into a new town or a new city and he would like see believers, see people may, may, you know, convert, convert to Christ, become Christians, and then what they would do is over time they'd appoint elders in that place and then they'd say, get on with it. You know, you go and crack on with what God has called you to do. And there was a time, you know, recently when a number of us went over to the church over in Basildon and Islington and we appointed elders in those churches. And guess what? They're now flying. They're just getting on with it. And there will come a point when we will appoint elders up in the church in Hatfield. I would really like it to be by the end of this year that we are appointing uh, elders up in the church in Hatfield. So guess what? So they can get on with it. So they can get on with it. They can do the stuff themselves. They don't, they don't need us. Actually, it's, it's had an impact on us at, at Trinity here because we're giving ourselves to teach. Well, we, we can appoint elders there and then they can get on with it. They can lead and get on with it themselves and we'll still we'll continue in relationship. But I do want to bring some definition to this New Testament pattern of elders and deacons. And so, I don't know, I don't think the, the verses are up on the screen. Forgive me for that. But let me read these verses from one uh, Timothy chapter 3 and a few verses from Titus that just talk about leadership in the New Testament. Uh, 1 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 13. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honourable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach. He mustn't be a heavy drinker. Okay, moderate is okay. Uh, he must be, or, or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? A church leader must not be a, be a new believer because he might become proud, but the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons, so that first bit was talking about elders. In the same way, deacons 
must be well respected and have integrity. Again, they must not be heavy drinkers, brackets, moderate is it? No, no, no. Um, or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith, now revealed, and they must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. And if they pass the test, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected and not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. So firstly, I just want to bring some definition. So we're doing this battleship series. We're just trying to work out, bring some definition to what church looks like. And this is what, ideally, church, uh, leadership looks like. Firstly, it looks like servant leadership. And then secondly, this model of elders or overseers in the church. So what, what um, can you go on to the next one, Simon? I just don't... Okay, so... I don't know why it's highlighted the top bit and the blue bit on the left-hand side. I don't know why, okay? But when I cut and pasted it from my doc, that's what it did. And I didn't know how to change it, so apologies. There's no particular reason for that, okay? But I just did this, I did a chart, and then I went through the verses, and I just read through all the different things, and just to show there's some correlation in some different verses of what the Bible is saying. But this is what um, elders do. Elders oversee the church. It doesn't mean to say that they do everything, but it's their responsibility to oversee the church. In fact, uh, no, it's fine, we'll leave it on that. But in particular, I think there are three things that elders need to do. They need to oversee the direction of the church. But generally, how, you know, what direction is the church going in? Is the church going to pursue this or is it going to pursue that? But actually, the elders oversee. They don't have to set it all because often it's about getting the right people in the room, but they do have to say, this is the way that we're going. We're going to serve the poor. We're going to pursue the presence of the Holy Spirit. How that works, we need to work it all out. So the first thing is they do, they oversee the direction of the church. The second thing is that they oversee the doctrine of the church. We not, want to make sure that we're not going wonky. We're not believing things that aren't in the Bible or are extra to the Bible. And actually, that's never really God's plan in the first place. So they oversee direction and doctrine, and they also oversee discipline in the church. That's not to say that everybody gets told off or every now and again you have to get told But it's just generally, are we doing life well? Are we, when we have communion, are we encouraging ourselves to get right before God? The, the general things of how we do church together. And at the, in the, by the time I finish, I'm going to put up a little chart about how we're structuring things here at Trinity. But at the moment, it's just myself and Jerry that are elders in the church. And that's not enough, just so you know. We, sometimes we've had five elders in the church and then we went to four and then we were three and now Cooley's gone, we've got two. That's not enough. Because what happens if Jerry and I have an argument? Or we just have to slug it out? I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Jerry would win because he's taller than me. But I don't know, but, but that's, not, that's not the point. Huh? <laughs> but I'm fatter. Did you say we are fatter? Anyway, but we need, so we need, we need more. We need, we need increasing teams. So we increase the, the trustees team. We need to increase the elders team. We need to increase the teams uh, that we have uh, with us at the moment. Um, could, uh, Becca, could you just find Titus? I know it's a bit of a challenge. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. Uh, could you read Titus 1? You got it? Sorry, that is pressure. That is. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, got it. Yeah. Titus 1. 
Yeah. Titus 1, verses uh, 5 to 9. Qualifications for elders. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might be put what rem remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the change of debauchery or insubordination. Is that it? Okay, fantastic, thank you. I uh, just wanted to read that other passage. Uh, um, the, um, Simon, I love you. You put it up there. Oh, thank you. Oh, we love you. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go through this list because we haven't got time, but that is the list. So the, the left-hand column in blue is the list of the qualifications for an elder. And from 1 Timothy 3. The next column is the, the list in Titus. It pretty much correlates. It goes through it again and again, you know, the list there. And then on the right-hand side, it's the qualifications for being a deacon. Probably the most significant difference of being an elder and a deacon is a deacons probably do practical, practically lead the church and carry out practical responsibilities. And uh, elders, their primary responsibility is to pray and to be able to teach in fact, in, is it Acts 6? I think when they appointed deacons, it's because they said the apostles were saying, oh, we need more time to be able to pray and we shouldn't be running a feeding program. Therefore, we need to appoint deacons that will be able to look after that so that we can spend our time praying. The other issue that I just want to mention here is that I would argue that there is a consistent assumption in the New Testament that, a, that elders are male. I personally think sometimes it would be really helpful if that wasn't my conclusion, but I find it hard not to see that the Bible leads us that way. However, I need to also say that there are many, many good, godly, Bible-believing Christians that would believe something different to that. Just so you know. But historically, the New Frontiers, the family of churches that we have been part of, has been clear on saying that eldership uh, is male. However, again, you can say that, but you can also apply it in a way that is profoundly unhelpful. <laughs> and I would say that in the past that, I'm not necessarily sure here within Trinity, but there have been times when I've seen that applied in a profoundly unhelpful and misogynistic way. Um, Jill, did you talk about what happened to you at Downs here? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Time is of the essence, but at a conference, somebody said, stand up if you feel called to serve the nations. Jill stood up, <laughs> and, then, and then the guy at the front said, oh, sorry, I just met the men. It was a long time ago. Was time ago. <laughs> but do you know, there's sometimes you're thinking that was just tragic, wasn't it? And so we want to have a new way of building something together that I'm going to outline in a minute that embraces what we can see the Bible, what I believe the Bible is saying about eldership, but actually enables us to build something of men and women building effectively together. If you read Romans 16, and I'd encourage you to do that, the first seven verses list a huge number of women that Paul counted as his great allies. And if you read the whole chapter of Romans 16, I think 
I, need to, I haven't done it for a while, but off the top of my head, I think there are 29 people that are listed in Romans 16. 11 of them are women. So out of the 29, Paul says that 11 women are my key allies in seeing the gospel spread around the world. I have been in New Frontiers leaders meetings in the past with 500 leaders in the room, and I would say that probably there were one or two women years and years ago. And you're just thinking that's unhelpful and just wrong. It's unbiblical. If you look at Romans 16, that is not actually the right way we should be going. There must be a way of doing it that actually we can honour everybody. Um, I just, there's a, a phrase that I got from a, an NLT study Bible, and it says this. Christians continue to discuss these complex issues of men and women working together. And many Christians today subscribe to a complementarian viewpoint, viewpoint, which affirms that there are distinct gender roles in the church, while many others hold to an egalitarian position supporting the notion that men and women share equal roles in the church. All Christians, however, affirm the equality of men and women with respect to their identity as beloved children of God. Whilst we're on the subject of men and women leading together, did you notice that last week, Becca preached an amazing sermon? Did you also notice something else about Becca? Is she? She's a woman. Why has nobody ever come and said to me, Duncan, what about 1 Timothy 2 verse 12? I do not permit a woman to teach in the church. Well, I'll tell you why. I don't think that those, those verses from 1 Timothy 2 verse 12 are arguing that women should be silent in the church. It's clearly not the case. Because if you look at, there are so many other passages that are giving free reign for women to live. You know, I think Lydia was absolutely instrumental in planting the church in Philippi. There, there are verses, oh, in fact, I've listed them here. Um, in Acts 18, verse 26, uh, yeah, I love this. Acts, in Acts 18, verse 26, Apollos, who was a very, very effective preacher, he was going around all the temples preaching and bringing many people to the Lord. What happened was this. Priscilla said, Apollos, couldn't just have a word with you, could I? Took him off. Apollos, you've got it wrong. <laughs> Jesus baptised people as well, and Jesus was baptised. He'd got it wrong. He didn't understand it at all. And actually, so there you have some woman bringing an, an amazing sense of correction right at the very, very beginning. And in 1 Corinthians 15, it just talks about when a woman speaks, when people speak in the church. So they are not saying no woman is allowed to preach in church. But what they are saying is that there is something about an eldership quality, about laying down foundations of the church. But actually, we want to celebrate women coming into leadership. We want to celebrate that. And I think Becca and other women who have preached have just done an extraordinary job at helping us understand things. I remember when we first started having women preaching in the church, and Jill was, would say to me, oh, it's just so good to hear a woman's perspective. Because <laughs> I think it's different. It's really different. But we want to be in a church that we're able to lay these foundations well. I'm sure people have got questions. You can ask them of me later. We're, we are moving towards an end. Deacons. Um, Phoebe was a deacon in Romans 16 focus on making stuff happen okay I'm going to finish last slide where does this leave us as Trinity we've been through a process 
of trying to restructure what we are doing at Trinity. And we've been through a process of trying to reshape something. So we're expanding our leadership capacity and giving, bringing more people into leadership positions, but bringing definition to it and trying to bring biblical clarity to the different roles that we're doing. So what you see is that we've got elders, men with authority to establish direction, doctrine, and discipline in the church. And what we want to do is then to create a a senior leadership team, but then somebody yesterday suggested, why don't we call it a core team? And that might be better. A core team around that of men and women together who will actually have some input into how we strategically work with, together as a team to implement those three Ds and to oversee the church and bring st strategic direction to the life of the church. We also want to have this team of deacons. Now the thing is, this deacon, this, the deacons, they've been running for probably, how long has the TLT been going? 18 months? 18 months. So this team has already been working, but we've been calling it the Trinity Leadership Team. But if we want to use the biblical word, we use deacon. But we don't always use the word deacon because it sounds like a mixture of a Dalek and a demon. So we, anyway, but that's a different matter. Okay, but deacon is the biblical word that we can, uh, that is the biblical word. Okay, but deacons, they're, they're practical leaders in the life of the church. So they carry responsibility. So when we have a TLT meeting, all these different t leaders, they have res specific responsibility for all of these different areas. Kids, life group, pastoral, all these different areas at all. And then interlinked with that, we've got these trustees. And the trustees who oversee the financial and legal integrity of the church. I've never really spoken about some of these things before in the life of the church. We've just done church. So in some ways it feels a little bit odd. But I think it's going to be a really helpful thing for us in this next phase to lay down some principles of what, how these things work and what we want church to look like. Can I just ask you to stand with me? I have gone uh, quite quickly, I recognise that, and my apologies for that. We just pressure of time. But we want to lay a foundation for the church that is godly and is biblical. And in a moment, I'm just going to ask people that if they feel that they have the call of leadership on their life, I want you to be totally bold and unashamed. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. I'm not going to take a photograph and then come down with a little clipboard and say, what are you going to do? But I do want you to acknowledge the call of God on your own life. But when you put your hand up, you're also saying this. My call on my life is to be like Jesus, a servant leader, a servant leader. And I believe that as we do that, as we recognize God's call on our life and raise our hand, I, I actually believe there's something of the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill us afresh, that we would be those men and women.
And then I'm just going to pray for the church that we would be like a battleship type church able to withstand all sorts of stormy weather but clearly engaged in the kingdom of God and bringing the kingdom of God where we are. So, if you feel called to leadership, just raise your hand, can you? Amen. Keep, just keep your hands up. Pray for every single person now whose hands is raised that you would come and fill them with your Holy Spirit right now. I pray that you would anoint them. I pray, Lord, that you would fill them. I pray that they would know what it is to follow after you, Lord Jesus. That they would know what it is to delight in you above anything else. And as they follow you, King Jesus, this church would become healthier and fruitful. I pray for your anointing, Lord, to fall. I pray for every single person whose hand is raised right now. Come upon them, Lord. The Lord speaks over you fruitfulness and servant leadership. The Lord speaks over you the ability to hear the whisper of God. The Lord speaks over you the desire to see the kingdom of God in every area of life. The Lord is equipping you right now to understand more of his ways and his purposes. And the Lord is equipping you to speak with authority into people's lives. The Lord is equipping you to see in the, in the heavenly realms what other people can't see, but to see the kingdom of God working out in people's lives. The Lord is giving you spiritual eyes. The Lord is giving you the ability to discern good from evil in people. The Lord is anointing you to be leaders in the church. Come, Lord Jesus. I thank you for every single man and woman who has raised their arm right now. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, the fresh wind of your spirit to blow upon them. Just keep your hands raised, but I pray now for every single person in the room that wanted to raise their hand, but didn't. And I pray, Holy Spirit, come and do a mighty work in their lives. Come and confirm the calling that you've placed on them, Lord Jesus. I think there are many people here who just have seen something, but they're, they're just timid. I think particularly Carlo, just feel God's on you for leadership. God's on you. Come Holy Spirit. I pray do a new thing. We're looking to you, Jesus. We're looking for your church to come alive, to become vibrant by stepping up into all that you have for us. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for that prophetic word that Henning came and spoke over the church over a year ago. That we were a battleship church, able to withstand storms, 
but we need to have our structure right. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to structure our church well, that we would see your kingdom come, that we would be full of grace and full of truth. Holy Spirit, come. We're not going to delay the end of the service for too long, but I, can I just ask the band to come back? Yeah. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're doing. I'm so grateful for the way that you bring sort of sit situations and circumstances together. I'm so grateful, Lord, for that guy ringing me up on Friday morning and talking about oversight of the church after we've had times of prayer and fasting. And Lord, we just say, come, have your church, O oh Lord. Reign in this church, we pray. I want to ask, O oh Lord, that we would see that kingdoms and principalities and powers of Satan fall because we are as a church alive to you. Make us a battleship church, we pray, O oh God, in your precious name. Amen. Mm -hmm.